0: I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives. Joining me today from the land down under, Sydney, Australia, to be exact, is Stephen Hunt, co-founder and COO of Music Health. Steve is a serial entrepreneur with extensive experience leading and operating businesses in the media, technology, and music industries that has included a role at Universal Music Group in the past. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Steve.
1: Thank you so much, Mindy. I'm a big fan of the show, and it's uh, an honor to be here with you. So thanks for having me.
0: Well, thanks. Well, I'm especially excited about this conversation. We're talking today about Music Health's music app, Vera, which is for those with dementia. And when I read Music Health's mission statement on its website, I lit up about five times while reading the two (laughs) short sentences. And here's the mission statement for listeners Uh, from your website, it says we are building the future of digital music wellness by creating digital music experiences that empower people to take control of their own mental and physical well being with ease. Music Health is a young and fast growing company with a blue sky opportunity to make a difference. So, so many things in there that immediately just jumped out at me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) On this show, we spotlight music's holistic power to enhance every aspect of life. And definitely one of my personal favorite arenas to discuss is this overlap of music and medicine or music and health and wellness. So I'm especially excited about today's conversation. Me too. Well, before we dive into what the Vera app is and how it works, tell us about your personal connection. I understand you have a personal connection to dementia and to music's ability to enhance life for people that are touched by dementia. Tell us about that. Absolutely.
1: Uh, I was born into a musical family, actually, and um, from the age of five, My parents put me into piano lessons, uh, which I... Loved it first, and then I grew to kind of hate as I got older because I was oh, no, forced, Yeah, I was forced into this um, world of of learning classical music, and all I wanted to play was Billy Joel and John songs. And anyways, but I um, but I grew up with a love for it, and I ended up moving onto guitar and just taught myself all the stuff I wanted to play. It was great, and um, but I don't, I don't, you know, I should say I um, I, f- I fully support my parents and what they were trying to do. I get it, and I and I thank them a million. <laughs> times over for the gift but um, some
0: piano teachers are a little more receptive to doing pop music than others there are definitely those purists who want to do nothing but classical music and teach their students <laughs> nothing but classical music
1: <laughs> totally uh, but yeah my grandparents were all musical as well i had um on my mum's side, they were Dutch immigrants who didn't speak a lot of English. And then on my, my dad's side, they uh, retired to a farm. And my grandfather on that side actually developed Alzheimer's when I was uh, a young teenager. And that became really tricky because he was on a farm and he used to, you know, to begin with, you got the early signs where he was a bit confused or forgetful. And then he started to wonder and he was such a strong physical man because he'd worked the land and he would just be gone for kilometers and kilometers before someone would work out where he was and and that became really challenging and eventually became too much and he had to be moved into a care home facility in um, here in Australia and when we went to visit him over the course of you know probably a 10 year period, I guess, as he declined, one of the things that became more and more obvious was just how music impacted him and supported him. And, and he exhibited a lot of changing behaviours, uh, which is very common for people with dementia. And they were often very challenging for the people trying to care for him. But one of the things that would always soothe him was music. And, uh, and he actually played the ukulele himself. So I ended up learning a few songs on ukulele but at this point in my in my life, I had no idea why. It, it just seemed kind of obvious that someone who likes music would enjoy it as an activity. And and then when he passed, um, some many decades later, actually my grandmother, his wife developed uh, milder cognitive decline, so it was dementia as well, but it, it was never diagnosed as Alzheimer's. But she lived to the ripe old age of 100, and, um, mm. and by the time she passed, um, she was really struggling too. But again, music just seemed to soothe, and, and then it, it, it wasn't until – probably 2020, when I saw a, f- a film called Alive Inside, which is an, an mm-hmm. amazing film about the yeah. Music and Memory program. It sounds like you know it. Yes. And and <laughs> and then and that's what really motivated us to, to come up with Vera. But Alive Inside just demonstrated the science behind what was happening. And once I understood that, I was absolutely blown away and also very moved. So was my co-founder, Nick, that that impact needed to be spread. And what we saw in the program was a lot of amazing people doing a really heavy lift to try to deploy this amazing impact on people with dementia. And for those of your listeners who don't know what happens, if you play music that is personally significant to someone with dementia, it actually lights up their whole brain a bit like a Christmas tree if you were to see it on an fMRI scan or something like that. And what's actually happening is that we're triggering a long-term memory, which is still very much intact. And then that when you listen to music at all, it, it's actually a full brain workout. So it's, it's the most powerful natural stimulant for our brains. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's experiencing dementia where brain activity it's quite suppressed suddenly we have a lot of activity and and you can see all sorts of amazing things come back like their ability to use their hands to talk to remember and of course you get things that we all know like an uplifting mood and you get those smiles but but really what it can do is it can cut through that confusion and almost quicken somebody back into a a state where they're much more lucid and present and so Mm -hmm. and that can have amazing benefits. But yeah, we, we just saw the opportunity to to scale that, and that's what we did.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember vividly watching that movie and just being so impacted by watching footage of some of these people who had dementia, who are virtually unresponsive because of the progression of the disease. They didn't really recognize loved ones. And it was almost eerie to watch them really come alive when they heard music that they enjoyed in their youth and just how they not only became responsive, but became, verbal and talking and reminiscing it it stimulated memories long-term memories from years and decades ago. And so it really was impactful to watch that. And as you were talking about your personal experience too, uh, there's definitely similarities in my story in the sense that I have a grandfather who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and died with that. I have a, a mom who has traumatic brain injury from a car accident from two, gosh, 25, going almost 30 years ago. And while that's different than dementia and Alzheimer's, there there are some overlaps, some similarities. And actually, anecdotally, I heard you mention that your family is Dutch and and my family's Dutch (laughs) too. My my maiden name is Van Dyke. I grew up in West Michigan where there are lots of Dutch people. And that part of Michigan, they say, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much.
2: (laughs) <laughs> oh, I so that's it.
0: kind of that's kind of the saying in the Grand Rapids area. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, my, but, my mom was a, a vandermast so I'm oh, sure there you very, go. Very close.
0: There you go. <laughs> yes. And, and I think there's so many of us who have been touched by Alzheimer's. I think there probably aren't many of us who haven't. And, and I just came back from visiting a loved one on my husband's side in California, who was, has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and recently went to live in a, a memory care facility. So, I, you know, there's so many of us who have been touched with this disease, whether it's Alzheimer's specifically or dementia in general. You often reference the science of music's impact on this condition. Is there a particular study or resource that has especially caught your attention that you want to mention?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think when we set out to create the company, of course, we did a lot of investigating before we we made the jump and and created a company. And I was blown away at the actual depth of academic research that had been done on music in various forms, whether it be music therapy or whether it be live performance and all sorts of different things. And it was clear to me that the evidence base already existed and that if we were to build a company, um, of course we would continue to do research with our tool and we'd done that. We weren't really needing to convince people of what was happening. It was already quite proven. But I think if you're um, if you're interested in going deep on a few more recent studies, there was a, a brilliant one out of UC Davis. Actually, this was with music and memory. Um, and over three years, they studied over four thousand residents in two hundred and sixty five nursing homes, and they found that the use of antipsychotic drugs declined by thirteen percent, anti anxiety medications declined by seventeen percent, and this was each quarter. Wow. so in a very short time frame and the odds of depressive symptoms decreased 16% per quarter and the odds of pain being reported decreased 17% and in addition to all of that amazingness the number of days on medication declined by 30% as well as seeing aggressive behaviors reduced by 20% wow. so I guess when you look at that, there's there's a few things to unpack because one of the things we've thought long and hard about are the incentives of everybody who plays a role. And of course, you've got the person experiencing dementia. That's where we started our focus and that's pretty obvious. We want to improve their quality of life and hopefully try to reduce those aggressive behaviours, which as the UC Davis study proved. But when you reduce those behaviours, that means that we're also supporting their carer because that's the hardest part of Mm -hmm. caring for somebody with dementia. Mm -hmm. And then when we can reduce the medication by 30%, that saves a huge amount of money. So now we've got the care facility that they are involved in, which has got less negative aggressive behaviours but also less medication in cost. You've got the insurers who are paying less in costs and have less risk and suddenly you have an ecosystem which is benefiting hugely just simply by rolling out personally significant music. And um, so I think that is really, really exciting. The, The other one I'd love to mention is Toronto University, I believe that was this year actually it got released and they actually demonstrated that you could change the neural pathways in someone with Alzheimer's positively. Now, that was really interesting because we think yeah. So they were a daily program of personally significant music and it showed that exposing the, the brains of the patients who had a more early stage of cognitive decline, it activated a distinct neural network, which they called a musical network, and that was composed of different brain regions, like I was mentioning before, how the brain has to work in concert to listen to music and process music, and that showed differences in activation after a period of daily listening. So what they were showing was neuroplasticity in someone whose we brain is what we expect to see is just this atrophy and the brain declining and shutting down but by listening to that personally significant music on a daily basis they were say actually we're seeing new pathways forming and almost some form of resistance to that decline and so why that's really exciting is it suggests that listening to music personally significant music on a regular basis could prevent or at least slow down the progression of cognitive decline. And again, more research will need to be done to sort of validate that over a longer period of time. But it's a, it's a really exciting suggestion that music could play a role in prevention. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where it goes.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, those are some really powerful studies that you're mentioning. And I definitely want to talk more about the benefits that you're talking about. But first, Tell us some more about the app, Vera. How does it work?
1: Yeah, uh, Vera is actually designed for the carer, believe it or not. So we set out when we were designing it, as I I sort of mentioned, to impact the person with dementia and lift their, their quality of life. And our first prototype that we developed, we used in our care home and we did some research which demonstrated that we could lift that on average by 17% in just two weeks. So we were like, oh, great, this works. Here we go. We've got a product. Let's get moving. But then we realised actually... To get the music to be played, it wasn't always going to be the person who's experiencing the dementia who's going to decide. Hey, I want to listen to music right now. I'm going to hit play. In fact, that was very rarely going to be the case. And so we realised that the person who would make that decision was their carer. And so then we had to start unpacking. Okay, well, what what are their incentives? How can we help them? What are the challenges they experience, and how can music support them? Because if we can get them wanting to use music more often, then we know from the study that we're going to be able to impact the person we set out to help in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, so we've developed Vera and now a product called Vera Pro, which are both designed for two types of carer. So Vera is designed for the informal carer or the person who is at home looking after one person. And then we have Vera Pro, which is designed for someone who is in a more formal setting, who has to look after multiple people at once. And so think of someone like either a, a lifestyle coordinator in a care home or a caregiver themselves who's going and maybe doing the rounds within a care home mm-hmm. through with multiple people. But the way it works is when you sign up, we get you to answer a couple of quick questions, Where were you born? Well, this is for the person who we're tailoring the music to. Where were they born? Where did they grow up when they were 15 through to 35? That's when the musical taste was being formed. Mm -hmm. What languages do they speak? And then we actually, what we do with that information is we look into a vast database of music that we've licensed from Universal Music Group so they've got just about half the world's recorded music in their database and um, so we've got everything there from the Beatles to the Stones to Aretha Franklin you know all the big hits which is what we need because what we're trying to find are the songs from this person's past that they've forgotten about and that's kind of a really interesting problem to solve because mm-hmm. you can't ask them and you often can't ask the family because when we talk about this period of 15 through to 35 years of age, if you think about it, most of the children of this person, if they were alive, they weren't remembering much of what was going on in that period of time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, generally the kids, sort of their memory of what their parents would listen to kicks in when they were 40 or so. And (laughs) so you're missing out on all of this early stage stuff and just think about your own life like the music you listened to when you were 15 through to 35 is just so significant to you but so Vera will look for the hits that surrounded you where you grew up based on things like radio charts and other other forms of popular information and then serve up the songs that we think you'll recognize because they surrounded you and and don't forget you know things like radio play become really important because in the time where most of the people who are using our product at the moment grew up they didn't have cds if you were lucky they might have had a few records at home but generally the music that they were sort of forming memories and attaching memories to was what was the big hits on the radio and um, so we really look for that sort of information and then we, we present that back into three playlists. You've got one to help relax the person, one to help energise the person and then one to spend time with and reminisce with the person. Um, so that that's how it works and it's really, really quick. It takes about two minutes to be onboarded and to get those playlists up and running and then we really encourage a good kind of two or three listening sessions where you're giving immediate feedback to Vera just to sort of hone things in with the algorithms but you've got a a love heart button on every song and you've also got a trash button so (laughs) if they don't recognize the song you can just trash it and get it out but if they do recognize it when you hit love it'll ask you Do they love the song or the artist? Because if Mm. they just love the artist, we might start serving more songs from that artist. If it's just the song, then we'll save that exact song into that reminisce playlist so that whenever they want to reminisce and talk about the past, we just hit that playlist and we know that these songs are personally significant. And you can also write a little note next to each song and actually capture the memory itself so if for example they say oh I love this song it reminds me of my wedding day perfect Mm -hmm. we can write that in and then when the family come to visit they can start playing Vera and they can start to see all these notes and they can say oh my goodness apparently this song reminds you of your wedding day which obviously I wasn't there for but let's talk about that and play, (laughs) play the music and have a conversation about a memory which I've never really heard about and and that can be just be so powerful in connecting the families. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I think that's so smart that you have these algorithms set up in a way that on your website, I think it says it turns out the recommended songs for the people who can't remember what they used to love, because like you said, there is so much science backing up the power of music on people with dementia. And yet I'm hearing regularly from all people in this space that a lot of the people surrounding those with dementia don't know what they loved and the people themselves can't remember. And so I think it's so great that you have these algorithms in terms of the three different, um, The three different playlists that you mentioned for Relax, Energize, and Reminisce, are those sort of categorizing songs based on beats per minute? Or how does it kind of funnel certain songs into the Relax playlist versus the Energize playlist or the Reminisce?
1: Good question. We've developed our proprietary uh, machine learning engine. So you would call this the AI, I guess, the brain. It listens to the audio that we ingest. And so when we licensed the millions of songs from Universal Music, this machine had to listen to all of them end-to-end and categorize them into things like are they relaxing, are they energizing, what is the beat per minute, what key are they in. So we've actually built a huge amount of data against every song and then not to mention what I mentioned before, where was this song popular and when Mm -hmm. around the world. So we've got this enormous amount of data that we append to what would ordinarily just come in with with some very basic information attached to a song about the artist and the album, that sort of thing. But with all of that, then we can go to work and create the actual order of the songs in these playlists, knowing that they are going to be relaxing or energising for a start, but then also having a think about, like a DJ might, Oh, these two songs actually seem to have the same key. Maybe they could go together nicely. But oh, actually, this one's way faster than this one. This one's really slow. That might be a bit jarring. Mm-hmm. Or actually, this one's reggae and then it's going to go straight into classical. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work. You know, so there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of smarts that are going on to decide. The order and the flow of that listening session uh-huh. and to make sure that like a dj might you you might hop around genres but you're going to slide smoothly from one into the other over the course of a couple of songs with with some sort of intermediary and yeah you're not finding that one song jars against the other
0: here's a quick break for one of our sponsors someone may have told you that art isn't for you but they were wrong. Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. The Vera app is available for Apple and Android, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. And and also on web. So oh, oh okay
0: great good to know we've worked
1: really hard to make sure that it's accessible on anything you've got uh so yeah so, so you could imagine again and for someone who's using it at home we've, we tend to find that the older generations may not have a smartphone yet or, or may not have made that jump and but they might be used to using a laptop at a bare minimum and so that's mm. still available for them on that device but but primarily it's it's the apps and it's Android and, and iOS for Apple
0: well and it sounds like you've been very intentional about making this easy to use whether it's because people aren't necessarily really tech savvy or they're just busy I mean it's an adult child who's working full-time has kids in a house of their own and they're involved in caring for an aging parent or loved one or maybe it's somebody working in a facility where they're understaffed they're Trying to serve a large population, and they just don't have the time to be finicky with all these little gadgets for all of the individual people that they're caring for. So it sounds like it is really easy to use.
1: Absolutely, and we we spent a lot of time in design, working with people in care homes as well as at home and of varying different tech capabilities. Put it that way, sure. and so it's it's very simple. And we've made sure that it's as easy as possible and removes as much friction as possible. Because also when we developed Vera Pro, which as I mentioned, that actually enables a carer to use one device and play some personally significant music for one person, but then they can flip the profile from the same device Ah. and go to the next room and they can be playing personally significant music to that person. So as an example, let's just say it's the morning and I'm, I'm maybe a nurse and I'm doing my rounds And I go into John's room and perhaps John is feeling very sluggish and I I can't seem to motivate him to get out of bed. Well, I might put on the energised playlist for John, which might start off with some Nice funk and soul music or some disco or something, and I might be able to convince John after he hears a bit of that to to shake his shake his arms, move around a bit, maybe even clap along and and then convince him to get up and stand up and we can get him changed and get him moving and so that might be really helpful, but then I might go next door to Mary. And Mary might be feeling anxious and agitated and she's maybe a bit fearful about the day ahead or what the environment that she's woken up in. And so we might then decide actually for her, let's play her some of the relaxing music she likes mm. and see if we can calm that situation and bring her down in, in the way that she's feeling and get her to feel comfortable and get her moving and on, on, on with her day as well. So it's, it's that kind of thing. And then you could go to the next room, maybe there's Amy, there and she's actually displaying some very changed behaviours and and perhaps is, you know, crying out and we might decide, actually, you know what, Uh, Louis Armstrong's Beautiful World is a song that we know she knows all the words to and she loves. Let's play that and see if we can start to get her singing along with us to that and try to sort of pull that negative behaviour down into something where we can actually engage and have a conversation and see if we can move her on with her day. So you can sort of see that the the flexibility of it, even though it's so simple can be applied in different ways.
0: Well, and that's some of the magic of music too is it can both arouse and calm. It's kind of like an adaptogenic herb that <laughs> you can give it to yeah. different people for different purposes and it will accomplish all of them. And and that's actually a really great segue into another topic I wanted to discuss. You have some intentions of how this product and the the music can be used in a care facility. You you've said that this can actually change the way that they care completely so that every care interaction has music alongside it to enhance, whether it's a physical therapy type of a session, whether it's a visit with a family, a loved one, it can just bring the patient into a more lucid state, regardless of what they're doing, a more receptive, more responsive state. Talk to us a little bit about that model that you have in mind.
1: Yeah, I think the simplest way to explain this is, to date, I mean, as I said, there's plenty of evidence to, to uh, validate what music can do for someone with dementia, and that's been around for a long time. And if you go into the, the industry and you look at the way music is being used to care for people with dementia, you'll find a huge number of amazing people and programs, music therapists, community musicians everybody's trying their best to deliver this same impact. The challenge is that most of what actually happens is that they think of music as just an activity because that's basically all it has ever been able to be. You would bring maybe someone in who could organize a choir of a group of people. And that's a beautiful thing that they can do. And they'll probably do it once a week and that will incredibly uplift everybody in the room. You might have a one-on-one session with a music therapist, and that might happen every week too, and that's fantastic. And in that session, they're going to um, you're going to see all these same amazing impacts, and probably even more than you would with Vera, because you've got that one-to-one personal interaction going on. But what has not been able to be done is for music to be the soundtrack of the care routine, because for somebody to walk around and, as I said, do their rounds and just play a 60s playlist, that might work for some people or it might annoy others. Mm -hmm. And it's not fair to expect that those carers should have any idea of what type of music to play for anybody because Mm. they've got so many other things to worry about. However, we do know from even the studies I mentioned that daily exposure to personally significant music can have these profound effects. So with Vera, we think there's an opportunity to revolutionise dementia care by empowering the carers to bring the music with them and have, have the music as a soundtrack to every care interaction in what we call the ADLs, the Activities of Daily Living. So while we're getting people up for the day, let's put some music on in the background that's appropriate to that activity based on how the person's feeling. Or when maybe we're trying to get them to eat lunch, we can put on some music. And we all know how lovely it is to have a dinner party where there's some music playing compared to when it's silent. It's just, you know, it's changes the vibe completely. And then when we retire in the evening, which can obviously, it's famous for being a more difficult and challenging time in dementia care, again, we can bring music into that interaction and see how it can support our ability to make sure that we help this person settle down for the evening. So we think that that is the opportunity, that we've made it so simple and easy that you can make sure at any care interaction you are playing the right music for the right person at the right time. And if the caregivers take the opportunity to do that, we see profound impacts, not just on the person they're caring for, but also on them on their own mental health and their own ability to do their job and enjoy their job. So everybody wins, but it does yeah. take a little bit of a leap of faith and we, we do a lot of training with people when we go into a new care facility to make sure they understand the science of what's happening but they also that they understand the opportunity for them to in, improve their own life and their own job and their own effectiveness. And we know that if we get that right, as I said before, we align that incentive and then we get to improve the quality of life of the person with dementia.
0: Uh-huh I want to go back to some of the benefits that came up when you're talking about the science behind what you're doing and just touch on those. I, we could have an entire episode just <laughs> the benefits that music can provide in this situation, but some of the ones that you already talked about, just for time's sake, we won't go into them too much, but I just want to kind of highlight these again increased brain plasticity with those neural pathways that you mentioned can be created through the use of music in this intentional way. And that can be seen as increased lucidity, but it can also impact physical movement and enhanced mood, quality of life, improved communication as people are either more alert because of the music that's being used or more calm. The use of music in this way can reduce depression and anxiety, stress, agitation, confusion. I know you mentioned the reduced perception of pain. And with all of these things, the thing that's so wonderful is there's no side effects. It's non-physiological. It's non-invasive. As you mentioned, it's very affordable and cost-effective.
2: No,
1: that's right. And I mean, the only thing I would ever caution is that the occasional song can remind someone of a traumatic memory. Mm, And so we must must always just be mindful of that, but I've, I've only actually ever seen it happen. Like twice with our customers so far, and it was mm-hmm. never a big deal. We just, you know, bin that song and it doesn't come back again. But, uh, um, hit the but, trash
0: can <laughs> quick. That's,
1: that's right. <laughs> but, but you know, what that actually in that circumstance, that information was very powerful for the music therapist that person saw. And that music therapist actually used that song to do a therapy session, which they are trained to do. And mm. that's to, completely up to them. But one thing we always make sure we're very clear about is that if you're not a trained music therapist you shouldn't be using the music as therapy itself mm-hmm. what we call what we call what we do is music as a therapy it's a slight distinction but they sure. are a um a trained master's level allied health profession but as he said there's so many amazing things that it can do and it's non-invasive and incredibly inexpensive and we actually just sort of study by KPMG, which was, I think it was in partnership with AARP, and it laid out the economic case for using music in aged care and mm. and how that would impact the US economy, and it was to the tune of billions of dollars. It was actually oh, wow. very compelling, uh, and looking at music as a whole, like, you know, with music therapy, community musicians, choirs, and even our intervention is an incredibly non-expensive very cheap and scalable piece of that pie so we think there's a Mm. it just proves a really great opportunity for what we're trying to do but one example I wanted to leave you with was uh, when we first did our research we had a gentleman named Roy who had been non-verbal for uh, I think it'd been two years and he'd been in professional care setting for almost a decade and he suddenly became verbal again from the daily use of music. He was able to talk mm-hmm. and his daughter wrote us this beautiful letter not long after he passed away, but just letting us know that it was so special to her to have that little bit of time with her dad again, where he, he could tell her about his memories of her and and mm-hmm. some of them that the music brought up were new to her mm-hmm. so she got these last little bits of amazing information and mm-hmm. um, and you know precious memories that that could have slid away and got to have that little bit of extra time with her dad that, that she didn't think she would again and so so that was mm-hmm. incredibly emboldening for my my co-founder Nick and I when we were, you know just at that early stage but that's oh, i mean that's an sure. extreme case but it's um but there's no it won't do any harm that's for
2: sure
0: <laughs> yeah well that is just priceless to be able to experience getting those little snippets of time back with your loved one who you've watched Slipping away. So, yeah, I can only imagine how meaningful it would be to hear those testimonials and hear those stories from people who have experienced that. And obviously, our focus has been on the patient and our conversation today and how they benefit. But certainly, the use of Vera and using music in this way is indirectly really benefiting the family, the loved ones, the caregivers of those who are using Vera. Well, I know we're about out of time here. But one thing I did want to bring up in one of your articles I read, it is said that music can heal wounds that medicine cannot touch. And I saw that I thought I have never heard that before. And I love it. So that that quote was really intriguing and caught my attention. Another thing that I just wanted to bring up and ask is the meaning of the name Vera. We had a recent episode where the guest was talking about the way the music training helps us be better able to learn a second language. And ever since then, I was so inspired. and I've been using Duolingo faithfully to refresh my rusty Spanish that I had when I was back in high school. But I know in Spanish, "vira" means you will see. And I thought, oh, I wonder if there's any connection between that and how you chose to name the app.
1: Yeah. um, So not really the Spanish part. There's two well there's probably three parts to the name that are interesting so first and foremost we actually thought about developing this as a technology of course and we recognized that in the future and this is something that will be released probably by the end of the year but in the future you'll want to be able to command it with your Alexa or with Mm -hmm. Google um home and go hey Vera play this the relax playlist you know and um so we needed something for that that was short and sharp ah. and easy to say and, and not confusing. And also that anyone in any culture could pronounce really easily. Because in Australia, where we actually did all our testing and learning, we've got an incredibly culturally diverse mm-hmm. population. And that's actually where Vera is really showing some amazing promise because we can get music from Chinese or, or Greek backgrounds or Italian and so on. But anyway, that's an aside. But um, so we wanted something that could be used in voice. We then wanted something that meant something to music. And we came across Vera from the artist Vera Lynn, who is a wartime, famous wartime singer in the 20s. And we wanted someone from, I guess, the older era, because obviously the people we were creating this for weren't my generation. They're people who were born in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And so Vera Lynn was probably on the much further older side of that, but it was an ode back to them. And then in Italian, it means truth. And so then ah. we thought there was something nice there. But I, I hadn't thought about the Spanish. But yeah, you're right. It's. Um, <laughs> but, so there's, there's a lot to it. We're really happy with the name.
0: Yes, there is really a lot packed into that little name, isn't there? <laughs> yeah.
1: And at the end of the day, it's um, it's something that we we just want it to be simple as simple as the tool itself it's it's probably the main thing we've strived for in the whole design and everything else and when you play with it and it does have a free trial so anyone can just have a go but when you play with it you'll see that we've kept it very bare bones but behind it, there is so much going on. <laughs> and we actually we have three different types of machine learning that are happening in concert. And then there's the fourth, which, as I mentioned, is how we process the audio when we receive it. So there's actually four different AIs that are kind of working in different mm-hmm. ways to get you the result that you see when you hear the music. And um, so it's, it's one of those things that's quite interesting that um, looks simple on the outside but a lot going on underneath.
0: Yeah, sounds like it. Well, I will include in the show notes lots of ways for people to find out more about music health and specifically the app Vera. Just tell us real quick, though, the best place, the best website to go to find out more about Vera. Uh,
1: Go to veramusic.com, V-E-R-A-M-U-S-I-C.com.
0: Great. Well, this has been so fun and so fascinating, Steve. I asked all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or story about a music that, uh, a moment that music enhanced your life. Is there a song or a story that you can share with us as we close today? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I chose a song that I'd actually written and and I, I sort of thought I'd share something with you that I definitely know I've got the rights to because one thing I know a lot about now is music life licensing and um Mm, but one thing that is really really interesting to understand that I've sort of learned over the last few years is that every single sound we hear triggers an emotional response now whether that's a, a sound from a car horn or whether it's walking in nature and hearing some birds chirp we are biologically written and primed as humans to interpret every sound and decide whether it is a threat or it's safe and there's so much happening in our brains all the time and so when I Wrote this song, which is called Control. I was writing it about two of my friends who were respectfully breaking up with each other, but it was, you know, they were sort of pulling away and it was, it was hard. There was a lot of tears and they were both at different times just kind of losing control of themselves. And so I wrote this song, which lyrically is very kind of short and sharp. But what I really tried to do with it was to use the music to trigger the emotions and you'll you'll kind of hear it build up over the course of the song towards the end where hopefully it stirs something in you. But I was trying to, yeah, I guess use not just words but also orchestration and, and the music to elicit an emotional response and, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it.
2: So what's it like to feel warm inside? No fear of going outside Seems every day that he's losing more sleep The weight of the world, and he's buried beneath Starting to feel like he's losing his head No ground underneath, there's nowhere to tread Breathing so fast that he struggles to gasp Can't help this feeling, he's losing control She paints in the evening, always in the new Morning, he wakes to see the last night's mood with an awkward refrain. She does it again, she's always breaking down. There's no way to fix it now. Perhaps, after all, the better off friends. The fighting and crying has all got to end, always in the dark. You don't want to ask. There's no point pretending she's out of control. She's out of control. She's out of control. Out
0: of control. Whoa. And that is a little bit of control. Thank you so much to Stephen for sharing the song he wrote and for joining us today and for all that he's doing to enhance lives with music. After my conversation with Stephen, I was on Vera's website and realized that you can gift Vera to someone, which is such a great idea. Just go to veramusic.com slash gift to learn more about giving the gift of an annual membership to someone caring for a loved one with dementia. If you know of someone who would enjoy this episode, please share it with them. It's easy to do right in your podcast listening app. Each app is a little different. In Apple Podcasts, just tap the three dots and then share episode. That will give you options to share by text, email, social media, and more. If you use a different podcast listening app, just Google share podcast episode on and then whatever the name of your app is for specific instructions. And of course, you can always share the show notes webpage as well. Today's show notes, including a transcript of the episode and all the links from our conversation, can be found at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 141. A link to this page is also in the episode details right in your podcast app. As always, you can connect with me on email, Mindy at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, may your life be enhanced with music.